Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I That's some bad hat Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damas Glory. And today we'll be discussing Community Season 2. Damask. How are you going this evening? I am good. I just, just before we started recording, I like screamed, fucking hell, and then had a little cry Oh, because I'm, <laughs> I've got an adorable little puppy in oh. the house, which is wonderful. What a blessing. Um, but, you know, haven't had a lot of time to myself. Lots of distractions around. And I realized that everything I'd written for this episode was gone. And I don't know where it's gone, but it's gone. So I'm flustered. How are you, Brad? So oh, you're missing your notes. You're just off the yeah. cuff today. I've got I've just before we started, I like quickly wrote some stuff. But Whew. let me tell you, it's not as good and I am ill prepared right now. Okay. Well looking forward to seeing how that turns out. I'm sure every parent listening <laughs> is feeling a whole heap of sympathy for you and your uh, puppy situation. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, you poor thing. Look, what can I say? I get it. I get it and I relate. It's the yeah. same thing. Exactly. Pets and babies are exactly the same. Equal. Equal. Everybody agrees. And they should be equal under the law, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, before we get into things, did want to mention that we have finished our Quarren TV guide. You can find all four parts of that now online via our podcast feed, via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. There is still kind of a little bit of time if you want to submit a su- suggestion for our future uh, listener uh, recommendation episode. I've got quite a few recommendations now, actually. Happily take a couple more if you've got time. I get them in uh, within the next few days, uh, let's say by May the 10th. Get them in by May the 10th. You might just sneak in. That's a good date. Uh, mm-hmm. 2020, in case you listen to this in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. And we'll add that in there. We'll put that out, episode out pretty soon. Uh, I did want to ask you as well, did you watch the Parks and Rec special that was on recently? This is, for those, again, listen, who don't know about this, Parks and Rec, which has been off the air for three, four, five years, whatever it is now, they got the cast back together to record a special uh, COVID-19 isolation special via Zoom cast or whatever you want to call it sort of thing. What did you think of it? Did you see it? I actually haven't had time to watch oh, it. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, I don't like Pearl anymore. Pearl is interrupting your life too much. Fuck Pearl. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, what wow. did you think of it? I don't want to say. I don't want to say now until you've okay. seen it. It's, uh, right. oh man, okay. We've got to yeah. get on that. Gotta get on that. We do. We do. Uh, cool. Is there anything else being exciting? Have you been watching anything? You just haven't had time. You just had a puppy. I g- have not had time. Oh, like in between, oh. like playing with the puppy, I've just had Made in Chelsea on the TV because you don't really need to watch it. I don't know what Made um, in Chelsea is. It's a reality show from the UK. 
um, Angela can never remember what it's called, so she just is like, can we watch Rich People, which is basically the premise. Just rich young people in Chelsea. Oh, okay. Rich young people. I was going to say that. Rich, just rich people could be a lot of reality TV, I think. It's a lot of it is know, reality housewives. TV. Of, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's not delay any further. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Community Season 2. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Community Season 2 returns us to Greendale for the start of the study group's second year of community college and for Jeff to face the music after walking away from two women and somehow into a third. The core cast is joined by a cavalcade of guest stars, including Betty White, Drew Carey, Patton Oswald, Hilary Duff, Paul F. Thompson, Charlie Kuntz, Malcolm Jamal Warner, Andy Dick, Kevin Corrigan, Rob Corddry, Eliza Koo, Josh Holloway, Britt Marling, Jerry Miner, Stephen Tobolowski, Matt Walsh, LeVar Burden, and cameos from Cougar Town stars Dan Bird and Busy Phillips. Wow. Season 2 consists of 24 episodes, each coming in at around 21 minutes, and took us approximately 8 hours and 25 minutes to watch. Before we do our reviews, Damas, can you please remind the audience what we thought of Season 1? We really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed uh, it. I struggled with the first half of the season. Mm -hmm. Um... But once it gets to like episode 12, I think it is, just fell in love and was totally sold on what I guess some people would call like gimmicky episodes, but I thought they were really interesting and kind of brave and hilarious and had a real sense of fun. And I was just amazed with like, yeah, how much fun everyone involved seemed to be having as well as creating these really kind of these characters that you really could invest in. So I was a big fan by the time the end of season one came around. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I gushed pretty unequivocally uh, throughout my review as well. Though we did admit, I think, and you brought a lot of good stuff to light, There, it's not a perfect season. There are some faults. There are some flaws early on. They're still finding their way. Some characters aren't quite there yet. You thought the female characters in particular were a little weak, uh, at least for the first half of the season, if not for the season majority, yeah. um, which I think is true. But we both looked forward to talking about season two in a big way. So normally I would throw to you to do a review first. Would you like me to go first since you're uh, missing your notes thanks to your... Um, I have some notes, but yeah, sure, you go first. Oh, no, I'd rather you go first. I'm nervous as hell about talking about this show. If you want to go first, I'd love you to do it. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Um, Because we'll we'll end with yours, which is clearly going to be something special. I'm very excited to hear it. Mm, We'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right, so watching an episode of Community is like playing Lucky Dip at a rich kid's birthday party. You don't know what you're going to get, but you know it's going to be awesome. That's the mastery of this show. It can do almost anything. I don't know, something like claymation, zombies, space travel, fantasy epics. Who knows? And it will be good because within those gimmicks, as I said, they give you a character-driven plot. Yes, the circumstances are insane, but the characters act faithfully within those circumstances. The status quo is not maintained in this sitcom. Everything isn't reset for the next wacky adventure. There are always remnants of what our characters have faced together in how they move forward and continue to relate to one another. This network sitcom, it's insane to think of it in terms of other network sitcoms that were out at the time, but unlike those... This one tells us that change is good, but the changes you are able to make are defined by the people you surround yourself with. Want to be a douchebag? Surround yourself with douchebags. Want to be challenged and forced to see others' perspectives? 
hang around people that have lived a very different life and call you out on your shit. This is a show so densely, densely, densely filled with jokes, props that go away in a second and background gems that make you want to rewatch, rewind, pause and share with others. Every second on screen seems filled with something that will make you smile. And I also think that's part of what has made this show become so beloved and so like shared. I was going back and looking at, um, you know, comment sections when the show was first coming out and people were just so excited to like find these little Easter eggs and, you know, different like perspectives or like, did you see this? Did like, what about the blah, 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 blah. So much excitement around this show when it was coming out. And I still feel it now when I watch it again. I'm like, oh, oh my God, I haven't seen that before. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that Easter egg. It's so, it is so much in it. It's so rewatchable. Anyway, the first season was good. Season two is next level genius. Not every episode is an iconic one, but 98% of it is. And that's pretty fucking amazing. It's interesting what you're saying um, about the, the rewatchability or the, the, the densely packed frame and stuff like that. Mm. Dan Harmon has often talked about how good the props department was and how mm. many jokes exist in the background that either you can barely see on camera anyway, only if you were there on set you'd be able to tell. But if you are looking, there's some really great stuff in there and mm. it is very, very cool what they do with that. You make a very good point also about the serialized nature of this. It's not like high serial it's not like watching westworld or something like that where if you missed an episode you're going to be way behind sort of thing but it does it never seems to forget things like as it tells a new story or examines a character in a new way they're constantly referencing back one there's one that takes place in a restaurant Mm. uh specifically between abed and jeff that we'll talk about when we get to spoilers i'm sure that the opening specifically mentions the Christmas episode and what happened Mm. in that and what was like motivating Jeff to do what he's doing and what he was thinking at the time. It's like, it, it does depend on what came before and there is progression here. And I think that's really important for a sitcom and not something I mentioned in my review, which is as follows. (laughs) This podcast wouldn't exist without community season two. Big start with <laughs> watching this season unfold in real time in 2010 2011 witnessing it evolve experiment and consistently excel single-handedly inspired me to not just think about television especially the sitcom sitcom format in a more meaningful and in-depth way but want to make tv myself this season is a portrait of a show at the top of its game after a successful plot, a pilot, and eventually building into something special by the end of season one, the creators, filled with confidence and an understanding of what makes the show work, not satisfied to just keep doing the same thing, pushed the show to be better, taking bold, weird, exciting risks over and over again. Even more incredible is how many of these big swings for the fence turn into home runs. Out of the 24 episodes in season two, I'd argue at least half of these are of rare quality and that seven to eight of them are some of the best TV the sitcom genre has ever seen. It's a remarkable strike rate. Yes, the show is very self-aware, frequently making meta commentary of the sitcom uh, sitcom format. And yes, there's multiple episodes that act as homages to famous movie and TV tropes. That would be enough to make the show enjoyable and maybe even notable. But what makes it great is that even amongst all the cartoonish hijinks, the show never, ever forgets to be funny and always keeps the focus on story and character. Season 2 has a lot to say about each of these characters and how they work or don't work as a group. And the stylish flair of genre pastiches is always there to support that discussion, never replacing it. 
Is season two perfect? No. What show is? 10 years and 9,000 viewings later, the constant, if often well-intentioned, quote-unquote, gay jokes haven't aged great. For all its focus on narrative, a couple of characters are still underused or not given super compelling stories. But overall, this season succeeds on nearly every level. Rewatching Community Season 2 again and again continues to be a joy. It's an exciting example of the TV medium. It's an engrossing examination of seven-plus layered characters. It's consistently and side-splittingly funny. And when it wants to, it's both heartwarming and heartbreaking. And right now, and on other occasions when needed, it's a warm blanket that I can snuggle underneath. I adore it, and it makes me want to make stuff like it. That is my review. Mini <laughs> season two. <laughs> Goddamn beautiful, bro. Well yeah, done. I had. Well a, it done. took me a long time to write that. I was mm. uh, having a hard time figuring out what I really wanted to say. Uh, I don't know if I said much at all, except that I just fucking love it. I imagine you in a field surrounded by daisies, like pacing back and forth with like pen and paper, and just like taking moments to think and really, you know, evoking all that stuff. That's beautiful. Thank well you. done, you. What is your final score? Out of five stars to mask. It's pretty good, as we've stated. So I'm giving it a five out of five. Yes, I'm also giving it a five out of five. It's the most obvious five of my life. It is quite literally my favourite season of television I've ever watched. And we've watched some great television, don't get me wrong. Great one-season shows, great uh, first seasons or second seasons of shows. I think of like mm. True Detective is a great season of television season one. There's some awesome stuff out there. I just adore this more than anything. I keep watching mm-hmm. it. I keep, keep loving it for so many reasons. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about it in spoilers. But before we dive into that, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, whatever podcast platform you prefer. And if you're watching this on video, hello. Uh, you can hear the rest of this episode in audio format via Acast or your favourite podcast app. For everyone else, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of Community. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Community up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have... Been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. I would actually like. I'd like to start by because there's going to be mostly gushing and me just mm-hmm. loving this. Uh, Can let's you stop using the word gush. It's very upsetting. I just want to get moist. On I'm this. just gushing. I just want to get real wet. <laughs> yeah, on let's community. get wet. All right, let's get wet over community. Uh, what, well, I, before we do that, though, I want to talk about any negatives. I want to talk about the bad stuff, the things that aren't so great in this. Let's get that out of the way first. Let's not save it to the end. Let's talk about it now up front. Let's be honest. It's not perfect. Um, mm-hmm. I brought up that there is this there's this constant sort of go-to joke with Pierce and a few others. There's a Brit episode that's really based around this as well. I don't think I've ever heard the word lesbian more times <laughs> than in that episode. And I kind of wanted to get your opinion on that more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like it's sort of not aged particularly well. I think if you were to make community now, a lot of it would be consistent and the same, updated mm. references and stuff. But you probably just not lean so heavily on, like, gay jokes. And it's like, it's not necessarily yeah. jokes at the expense of people who are queer. It's just mm-hmm. p- characters who are homophobic or don't understand what they're saying say it. And there's humor in that. 
and it comes from an innocent place, but it's also kind of like, ugh. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think you could definitely keep the concept of someone like Britta wanting to have a lesbian friend. It is a perfect Britta concept. Um, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And then ultimately, obviously, that person turns out to be a straight woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's there's certain moments in the show like when I think I think it's Leonard but it might be one of the other old people called Dean Pelton a f- like a fruit. a fruit yep and I was like oh and Dean you know Dean makes it like a joke out a joke out of it um saying like you know that's hardly the truth um but but yeah there's shit ton of gay jokes in it mm. some are fine I think like it's all contextual right so yep. some like make sense and then others feel like, okay, that like as a gay person kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. And that's probably different for everyone. Like some people might want none of that. I don't mind a gay joke. Like if it's funny or like I say contextually fine um, from my perspective. But yeah, it's, yeah, there's moments where it feels like it's from its time. Yeah. I think it would help if there was a gay perspective in the show. Because there just isn't one at this point. Uh, uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I think as we go on, there is a queer person. Mm-hmm. And I think they're wonderful because they're like, they really are very emblematic of like queer being like this indescribable kind of thing and doesn't need a description. And mm-hmm. I love that. about. I think that's quite wonderful and rather modern, um, even though it's kind of played as a joke, but I think it works anyway. Um, but yeah, at, at this stage in the show... Yeah, it's a little homophobic sometimes. Yeah, agree. I can pay that. And yeah. I think that needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to talk about? You had some notes you jotted down. What, what are you interested in talking about? <laughs> you mean the notes I don't have anymore? Those ones, Way yeah. to bring it up, Rod. <laughs> um, well, I, for one thing, I'm glad this season we get even more of Dean Pelton. Sure. I think like Dan Harmon and the rest of them realised what a gift Jim Rash is, I'm like, give him more, give him more. Thankfully, we'll get even more of him later on, but it's nice to see in season two, we get a whole load of him. Um, that sounded gross, but I didn't mean it to be. <laughs> Other than that, also, we get more of Chang in a different dynamic mm-hmm. this season. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, just going back to the Dean Pelton mm. stuff, I agree with you, though, that he is great. And it's funny to think that he was just a guest star to play the Dean in the first episode, was never really meant to be an ongoing character, and mm. then developed into one of the most iconic and interesting characters on the show. There's that bit in the clip show episode where they show him, how many times can a fully grown man enter a room in a strange costume with irrelevant news? And like that little, like, <laughs> the music theatre department is baroque. Might be one of my favourite. Favorite line deliveries of the entire show. Um, like, he is 100% amazing. And I love mm. Dean Pelton and I love what Jim Rash does. In terms of Chang, yeah, Chang is interesting in this season. I think, uh, I don't know. I kind of think I prefer Chang in season one a little mm. bit just because he's a more manic energy. And this one, uh, like, they, they try to build a story for him. Mm. I'm not, sh- I think the stuff with Shirley is not as successful as. It could be. I like the kind of like the concept, but it never really. I agree. Yeah, I agree with qu- that. I think 
there's elements, you know, at the beginning of the season when Chang obviously is adrift and he wants to join the study group. That Don't actually I like him. more. I and think I, I like that, right? Join the study group stuff's good. Yeah. When we have that wonderful like moments like when he's doing the golem thing, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, sorry, uh, my brain is so frazzled. What is the actor's name who plays Chang? Uh, Ken Jung. Which oh, I've now learned you. to pronounce correctly because I'm listening oh, to the, dark, the te- Darkest Timeline podcast with uh, John McHale and Ken Jung. And it is a bad podcast, but it is oh, great. Damn. No, no. Because I was, it's a I bad was like, podcast. I haven't heard of it. If you're rating podcasts to get podcasts, every community fan is gold. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm loving it. Good to know. And- <laughs> Good to know. Um, like he, his commitment level to everything that he's being asked to do is exceptional. And yeah, yeah like moments when um, Chang is losing his mind, the golem thing, when he's at the end of um, the pop, pop and, and lock competition and he's just laughing. Yeah. And also when he's like kind of dancing, but he's in that blackout moment and just My envisioning body. him in it the hurts. study. My body. <laughs> the study group to that. Yeah beautiful song and they're all laughing and clapping oh, like yeah. that's the chang i really really enjoy um when we get to him having a baby with shirley and wanting to be like a good dad and it's just like it's confusing like for my brain because i'm like well it's chang so he can't be otherwise he won't be chang anymore and obviously like these characters are all crazy in their own way and Argument opportunities to grow. Do I think him having a baby with Sh- with Shirley would be a good way to do that? So, like when I'm watching it, obviously now I know how it ends. But at the time when I was first watching it, I was like, "Please don't do this. Please don't do this." I know it's another way to tie him to the group, but please fucking don't do this. <laughs> I was genuinely worried because I'm like, "Fuck, I don't want that dynamic. I want my chain crazy and loose." Yeah, the I understand the impulse to time to Shirley. It gives them both something to do. It gives him a way mm. into the group. Gives Shirley something, you know. She's challenged in some big ways there. Uh, but it like the idea of like an unwanted pregnancy or an unexpected pregnancy with somebody that you you don't remember having sex with them. You have no connection to them. Like it's mm. it's it's just leaning the wrong like. Community is a crazy show. There's a lot of cartoonish things going on, but it's it's deliberately. It's when I say like the cartoonishness doesn't affect the story. It's like this is mm. the one occasion where it does. It's like yeah. that's too sitcom tropey or too a little bit outlandish, and it really does affect the story. Mm. If there's one thing that doesn't work this season for me, it's unfortunately they still haven't quite figured out how to use Shirley properly, which is mm-hmm. a shame because Yvette Nicole Brown is seriously her line delivery. She makes me laugh so often. She's so good. Whether it's her like Greek choir comments on what's going on or her use of guilt uh, and guilt tripping on other characters or whatever it is, she is constantly hilarious. Yeah. I made that character with Troy in mind. Yeah, bet you did. Like, fuck. (laughs) Earlier today, I was watching um, Dan Harmon was doing his season two cast assessments or whatever sure, when he like yeah. interviews the cast mm-hmm. and Yvette Nicole Brown. <laughs> this is a DVD extra um, for those who don't know. Yeah, he was, Dan Hall was talking to her and he's like, oh, you know, like, what do you think about the season and like what you had to do this season or whatever? And she's like, oh, like I would maybe next season really like to work more with 
um, Donald. I didn't, I don't really have anything to do with him this season. And she's like, oh, also like Joel, maybe like another, like I didn't really have any scenes with him this season. She's like, and I'd also love to do some more kind of like capers and adventures with the girls like I did last in season one because I didn't do that this season either. And Dan just stops and he's like, so you want more scenes with <laughs> Donald, Joel and all the women? He's like, what did you do this season? <laughs> and it just cuts to her face. It was funny. I'm this- glad they could laugh about it, but <laughs> it was like, fuck. Um, luckily, she does get a good episode with Joel at least next season that I remember mm. pretty distinctly. Um, the, the, in the season one version of that, where he does the cast evaluations, I think Dan Harmon's question is like, do you think I captured the uh, authentic black Oh, that's it. No, that's experience? a season two that's as season well. season two. And just the manic laugh that comes out of the Benicol Brown is so funny. <laughs> and it goes for so long. It's <laughs> it great. <does. laughs> so good. Yeah. That's in the season two one as well. Yeah. yeah that yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, that being said... Um, I did think they got one really good Shirley episode in this season. Mm. I forgot how much I liked it until rewatching it, actually. And that's the one with Abed, when Abed's Amazing. Like, it's so good. So good. It's not even on my list of like my top... Mm. It's not even the top half of my list for this season. And yet, that's a very good episode for Shirley yeah. and Abed, but especially Shirley, I think. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it because obviously yes Shirley's the Christian and it's like she's like either a Christian or a mother or both and like that's all that's going on so we do have that element of it Mm -hmm. but what I really like is that this is something that yes she does take seriously um and it, it is a well yes a source of strength also a huge source of vulnerability for her because people are constantly kind of like negating it or dismissing it um, and to see Abed do it in such a bold and really awful way mm-hmm. is a great kind of foil for her to kind of deal with that. Um, and then that beautiful moment of like, I guess I'd call it violent grace in which she just smashed. That scene is great and highly emotional. Hearing hearing Abed's prayer and then her choosing mm-hmm. to do that. And mm-hmm. then the moment later when they're back in anthropology class and... Oh. He says, you humble me or whatever, and vice mm. versa. I was like probably like emotional in that moment. It gets like, that's, that's great. And they're mm-hmm. both just because uh, you don't get, they don't get a lot to do. Yeah, Event Nicole Brown doesn't get a lot to do with many characters except for Andre and except with Chang really this season. Mm. And so to have that moment with Danny Pudi, it's like, ah, oh, these guys are great. They're so they're good so at their good job. together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the question there is do you think Shirley. Even though we're arguing she's probably the weakest character from this main study group this season, do you think she was better this season than last season? Um, because hmm. I'm thinking of stuff like you know last year's Christmas or season one's Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard because I do enjoy her stuff, but I think it's really unfortunate that they gave really what should have been her storyline. To Chang, like mm-hmm. she had to share her storyline with Chang, and I think getting back with the husband that cheated is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but ultimately, it kind of becomes a way for Chang to be a better person, and I think that's a bit of a shame. Um, better than last season, I'm not sure. I'm I'd, unclear. I'd argue that point. it is. I'd argue that she gets enough mm. story. It's it's not. It's still the weakest element of the show, probably mm. for the study group characters, but. 
it's still an improvement on last season. She got a couple of great episodes, and she, and Yvette Nicole Brown's given so much great stuff to do. Like yes. just if, if, just in other episodes, even if it's not featuring Shirley as a character, she gets plenty to do and highlight her why she's a part of the group and why she's a great part of the show. I think um, little yeah. moments. Well, anything like anytime she's on screen, like I'm watching her and like because I know she's like yeah she's gonna make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, but that yeah, that's just the actresses kind of like you know effort putting that in and kind of really making the most of what she's given. But yeah, I I, I think I'm not quite there with Shirley yet. I another think. criticism of last season that you had particularly was that the female characters were underdeveloped comparative mm-hmm. to the boys. Uh, they had more to do. They were given more funny stuff to do. The girls were less well-defined. We've already talked about Shirley. How about mm-hmm. Britta and Annie this season? Well, they make Britta more insane, which I really appreciate. I And she's like well on her way now to becoming the Britta I love, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we see moments of that this season, like when Troy is talking about his trauma and her reaction to that, obviously with the lesbian episode, um... Yeah, just that's her, a great one for Britta. It's just it just thinking about it makes me laugh. But she's this character of like being so woke that she just kind of makes terrible decisions all the time. And her she has a lot of woke information, but mm-hmm. is incredibly dumb, which I really enjoy. I think that's just like it's such fun to play with. And watching Gillian Jacobs get to do more is really lovely as well. Um, I'm glad they kind of, yes, there's always moments of like, ooh, ship that person with that person, which is just a fun part of the show. Mm -hmm. But they've moved away from her being the love interest. And she's really an important member of the study group this season. She is terrible and, you know, not beloved. (laughs) Yes, the worst. Um and rightly so, but that's why we love her. Yeah, no, this is it's a massive step up for Britta's character in terms of making her an individual comedic element. Like you can easily mm-hmm. point to Troy as just being the dummy, or Pierce being the racist, or Jeff being the narcissist, and blah blah blah. But now there's Britta that's like this naive, uh, sort of want to be woke or whatever you want to call it that she has that mm. somehow so misinformed even if it's well intended <laughs> is it's incredible it's it's such a great character and let me tell and you so somehow it gets better yeah it is yeah I which think is perfect one of the uh there's a there's a few episodes that do a really good job of really examining the entire group at once and in individual aspects of each one mm. the cooperative calligraphy the one where Annie pen's missing Mm-hmm. Um, the so documentary filmmaking, whatever that was, with Pierce, the bequeathing, are two really mm. good examples of that with Britta, where like she's upset about people searching her bags, but then she's also asking Annie for her notes and using the Freedom of Information Act to like, it's like <laughs> totally misrepresenting things for the sake of her own benefit. Yeah. It really is. She is like self-righteous Twitter walking around. Yes, it's exactly that. It's the that. fucking worst. You're like, shut the fuck up. Stop just like walking in the room to have an argument with someone so you make, feel good about yourself. God and damn I, it. And I feel like that wasn't even as relevant as it is now. It's like Britta is somehow more relevant today yeah. <laughs> the way that Twitter operates, which is pretty We great. have like 
all all us white liberals have transformed into Britta and we should all be ashamed of ourselves. We should be. We should be. Mm. And then in the bequeathing episode, the hospital episode, oh. mm. the the check with the just nothing filled in so, you know, she can theoretically choose which charity she's going to give it to. And then the... Mm. <laughs> The moral dilemma she's going through about needing to pay off her stuff and then coming up with... Uh, her conclusion her of conclusion, that? I'm just terrible with money. Britta for the win. It's like, what the fuck? I Actually, going backwards a little bit, that is such... I really enjoy Shirley's moment in that oh, episode. There's a couple like, of great ones. Once another character who is also self-righteous... Um, and always wanting to be the martyr, et cetera, et cetera. And just, it's, oh, it's so satisfying when Shirley gets knocked down, when she's in that mood, when, you know, she's I mean, to be like, I can know. think of, that's a really good Shirley episode. Mm. I can think of three moments that just are beautiful in that, where she, they're sitting in the rating room silently and she's smiling, like trying to put on this four smile with her CD as it's Britta so holds gross. a $10,000 check and Annie holds a tiara and just <laughs> like, just like. This is just trying to pretend that she's fine with that. And the then talking when she's, head. The talking head. When Arbed walks in, it's like, did you want me to be the only person who didn't have a talking head? Uh, God, that's the good. guilt trip there. <laughs> and then ultimately when they play the CD and there was nothing said on it. Like, ah, oh, so yeah, good. It's so, so good. Uh, while we're on Britta, should we talk about the resolution of season one's cliffhanger quickly as well? We mm-hmm. leave on... Uh, Slater, who doesn't appear in this season at all, and Britta have both professed their love to Jeff at the oh transfer God. dance. Jeff, mm. rather than choose any of them, walks out and then kisses Annie outside uh, in the... Piece of shit. <laughs> in Greendale somewhere. And so season two, they're coming back to school and it's like they're going to have to face the music and Britta is feeling mm-hmm. like... She's been made a fool of by Jeff, and then ultimately it turns out she's somehow become a bit of a folk hero for putting herself out there, and mm-hmm. Jeff is the bad guy, and how that like power dynamic is shift. And then they end up, the only way that he's going to get his power back is by admitting his love to her, and then they end up like hate being together for the sake of not giving <laughs> up that power to the other one. Mm-hmm. There's the scene of them kissing... And like sharing their headphones together, but there's just like the most aggressive kissing ever. It's so I disgusting. love you. I love you more. <laughs> I love you the most. Bring it. It's uh, also like I I just have to note the um the song Linga, the parody of Linga that Arbed gets the Irish singer to oh, sing yeah, for their yeah, wedding, yeah. which is just mwah, gorgeous. Just British <laughs> Marion, British Marion, British Marion, <laughs> Jeffrey Winger. Ah, oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, no, I think the resolution was as absurd as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a real fun, silly, very community way to dismiss all that kind of love triangle soap opera-ness of it. I just particularly love when the group first go to the study room and they're like, oh, has anyone heard from Britta? Oh, no. And they immediately start talking about Toy Story 3. <laughs> and then when she pops her head up, they all turn around and Troy just goes, hey, Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> I rewound that like five times because I just thought Donald Glover is a goddamn genius. He is amazing. Mm. Uh, what about the Annie of that all in terms of how they handle that? The ridiculously gross nature of what Jeff did and then her yeah. obsession and then her reaction to Britta and Jeff like apparently falling in love and being together and until she finally uh, finds out they had sex in the state room and then punches him. Which was well earned. Very satisfying punch. I mean, you know, I have the inclination to see a character like Annie and kind of like cringe and get angry at it. But in saying that, 
it's absolutely perfect that when that happened and they returned to school that Annie is insane because she is insane. Um, She's atypical to the point of being, you know, demented about it. Um, So (laughs) the fact that she, you know, made sure that they had actually technically Frenched in a magazine that she quickly decides is the National Review. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I read that in the National Review. National Review. (laughs) (laughs) It's just perfect. So, well, yes, it's cringe and annoying. It's funny and also I can can see myself in that situation. But I'm glad that she is infatuated with Mm -hmm. him, but the spell is very quickly broken when she really see the hard evidence is there that Jeff is not this kind of man that she can save and is going to be her guy and all of that stuff. So I'm glad that was all kind of swept under the rug. So that's, it's that's not a better gone. word for it. That's a better word it's for it. Swept gone. under the rug. It's swept under the rug for now. Which I like. It's like, yes, they diffuse that situation and to the point of it like it may as well have not existed. However, mm-hmm. it does simmer under the surface for both Jeff and Britta and Jeff and Annie throughout. Jeff and Annie mm-hmm as the fan video would suggest, just have this undeniable chemistry. Although mm-hmm. Jeff has chemistry with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we find out that throughout the entire season, pretty much, Jeff and Britta have been having secret sex. Oh my gosh. Yep. Which I love because it feels natural and real that these people who have been attracted to each other on one level or another... Yeah would find this fun and continue to do this. They are terrible people. They would do this and get a thrill from it. And also, it's like it's not like any attraction they had just gets turned off. It's like it's there, but it's dealt with in a sort of more natural and real way. And then mm-hmm. finally it does peter out and like that feels more real. And it's like and and yet it's also not like it's not a story. It's like it's no. literally in the background, kind of being winked at until we finally get to um, Paradigms of Human Memory, where mm-hmm. they bring it to the surface and they discuss it for the first time. I think that's great. I think it's Which incredible. Which can I say, I, I was messaging you when I was watching it mm-hmm. and being like, I don't remember this episode. I have no memory of this episode. I thought I'd lost my mind. And then I realized, I don't think I've ever seen that episode before. I don't understand how that happened. Did you just I not- have n- no idea. Just didn't have it. Uh yeah, I but I thought I thought it was a funny thing to hear at first, just because mm. it the could nature of it. the nature of it's like, well, of course you don't remember the episode; those clips aren't real, <laughs> um, which is itself just hilarious. That that mm. whole concept. We'll come to that later, but yeah, I like the way that Jeff and Britta were handled, mm-hmm. uh, and generally you've liked the the Annie and Jeff stuff. Let's talk about. We'll come back to Annie in a second. I think one of the most important storylines this season, the most important characters and how they're used, is got to be Pierce, though. Um, Oh, my God. Agreed. mm, Go on. Well, just in the... Pierce in the first season is very much sort of just like a bumbling grandpa slash uh, over-boastful boomer who thinks he's good at everything and wants to be involved. Old white guy says or whatever his Twitter is called. (laughs) Old white guy says, absolutely. Which is based off what my dad said. Yeah, shit Uh, my dad says or something. Yep, that's right. And to go from that and then actively decide to basically make him the villain of this season Mm -hmm. is a very interesting choice. You don't normally do that with like one of your core cast members. He's one of our normal six. He's Chevy Chase. He's a recognisable 
uh, comedic actor, theoretically one of our heroes. And then to just watch him, he was always problematic in that he was like racist and sexist mm-hmm. or, and homophobic and all those sorts of things. But then to take it from just being ignorant and gross to being uh, nefarious and villainous and just the bad guy. Yeah. This season is such an interesting and bold choice and not one that I think everyone loves. I know for a fact that this was an unpopular choice because decisions about season three were made off the fact that people didn't like that Pierce became the villain. But I got to say, I think it's amazing because it adds so much dramatic uh, tension to so many episodes and he's a credible villain because of it, because he's a part of the group, because they care about him to some degree. Mm. He's he's not an outsider that's like adding pressure to the group from the from the outside. He is mm. inside and sort of having that influence. I think it's great. Well, it's it's a genuine complication, mm. which is nice. It's not just you know a, a band of friends dealing with outsiders or outside situations and complications. It's something that is within the group. It's part of almost the fabric of the group. But he's always been there. Um, and to see, to kind of like realize that someone is incredibly poisonous mm. to your dynamic and your friendship. Um, I, I remember have, having, and I still do when I watch season two, this kind of like visceral, really overwhelming anger building in me towards Pierce. I didn't find it. I found it coming from the source. So the show was making me feel that way. I wasn't feeling it about the show for making a choice that I found frustrating. It felt really organic and it's not something that I expected to feel. And I remember kind of comparing it to how I felt about like Professor Umbridge, which was just like such like, you know, you want to tell this person to go fuck themselves. Totally. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, but that's not how good story works. Like you can't so easily solve it and it's more complicated than that. And you watch your protagonist kind of struggle through dealing with a person who is like that, who is so not, I mean, Professor Umbridge is evil, but in terms of Pierce, not evil, but so fucking self-serving mm. and so blinded that they they can't see, they can't help themselves yeah. And I mean that in like both senses, like they can't stop themselves from doing something um, and they can't heal help. themselves. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just, it's so frustrating, but I like for a show that gives me so much laughter and so much fun, I don't mind having that like dark and hard edge as well. I actually think it kind of balances it in a way that I didn't expect a comedy to find balance, but it does. I think, and I agree with that in a big way. It's like, I I'm, I know in shows there are definitely times when there is friction between characters and so mm. forth, um, but often oftentimes the the major uh, villainous or evil quote unquote influence comes from outside. Mm. To, to have it come from inside the group in a sitcom just seems very 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 um, new and different mm-hmm. for a sitcom format. Mm. The and also he's just he's he's fascinating in terms of his uh, his. his watching that road to how he becomes so villainous throughout the season in terms of he really hates being excluded and he's mm-hmm. excluded constantly because he's a jerk and that makes him more of a jerk. I think it's uh, – uh, Jeff says something to that 
regard. It's like it's a vicious circle that happens there to the point where he breaks his leg and then gets addicted to pills and then has an overdose and like mm-hmm. almost kills himself in that regard. Yeah. And even in that moment when he's so low, somehow decides to torture the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. What a, what a piece of shit. And also <laughs> I kind of feel for him in a way. Like there is a vulnerability there to the point where I love the way this season ends, where the group has voted mm-hmm. essentially to get rid of him. And he was the only holdout that wanted to keep him in the group. Yeah. They all decide eventually after he saves Greendale at the end of the paintball war to keep him invited next year. And he's like, you know what guys, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Um, mm. And I felt for him in that moment. I think Chevy Chase is really great as Pierce. I think, again, Agreed. we talk about he's a <clears throat> he sounds like an asshole in real life and really hard to work with. Mm. You can't deny he's very, very, very good as the character of Pierce. Yeah. I hate those goddamn National Lampoons movies. I don't like them. Not for I, you? I don't like anything about them. I hate them. I find them stressful and annoying. Okay. So I don't like... Chevy Chase, I'm not a huge fan of his. I haven't really watched any of his stuff and thought, wow, I can see why this guy's funny. Um, However, him as Pierce is amazing. I recognize his talent. I recognize what he gave to that character. Mm -hmm. Like, when I think of community, he's absolutely a part of that group that I see. Because as we know, as the years go on, that group changes. But yep. he's definitely a part of it and a really important part of it. Um, but yeah, that final kind of episode, the final moments of that, it's really sad. And I think that's what makes it so good is that yep. this guy is so incredibly lonely and isolated he doesn't know how to relate and when you don't know how if, – because if he had had this group when he was younger, almost like Arbed, though for different reasons, doesn't know how to relate to people, doesn't know how to make friends, but has had, you know, this group of people kind of like help him out with that. Pierce did never had that and never learnt. And so now he's trying to figure out how to relate to people that aren't just there for, you know, for his money. He can't buy them. Um he can't razzle-dazzle them with all of, you know, his usual tricks. And he just – he doesn't know how to do it and it's incredibly frustrating for him and this is not a person that likes to sit in frustration. <laughs> so, of course, he acts out. It's not right, but he acts out so terribly and in such a damaging way. But ultimately, it's just really sad. And what what an amazing story he had in season two, I think. This is the thing. Pierce is the least likable member of the group. I can Mm -hmm. see the impulse to not want him to be there. Mm. Without him being there, though, season two is nowhere near as good. Not even, it just isn't as good. My favourite episode would not exist. A (laughs) hundred percent. There are multiple episodes that wouldn't be good without it. Yes. One of my favourite episodes of television ever made would not exist and would not be as good, would not be great without Pierce and without Chevy Chase's performance as Pierce either. I think he's... We'll get to that in a bit. Well, there's a lot of comparisons made to Jeff or Jeff this uh, and uh, Pierce this season. Uh, I think Jeff sees Pierce as sort of being a potential version of himself. Jeff choosing to not exclude himself from the group, but to turn towards the group at different times, particularly Valentine's Day is mm. a big example of that. Sort of Jeff turns towards the light as Pierce is turning towards the dark. I find very interesting. There'll be more of that in future seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about... 
Pierce's relationship with Annie, which is a bit of a feature this season. We haven't talked about Annie a heap yet. What do I think? I'm not sure what I think about it. I think... There's a couple of key I episodes. Moments- There's the drug PSA one in particular, mm. which is... Um, a- drug PSA one is a big one in terms of suggesting that there could be some sort of paternal almost sort mm. of relationship there between Pierce and Annie, but it's just once again super toxic. And Annie yeah. just because she seems to want to believe the best in him and include him in the group, lets him get to her. Yeah, I think Annie, while she's had her troubles, probably hasn't come across someone so dark, I Mm. guess, Um, and so easily going to, you know, affect her life in really kind of negative ways. And he just seems like an old man, right? Like Mm. her probably only relationship with an older man of that age would be her grandpa. (laughs) And so this nice older man who yes says terrible things but old people are wacky like that um think offers her money and she's in a very vulnerable position naturally she takes it and it's an eye-opener for her and i think like it's a big moment for annie to kind of grow up as well Mm. to be like oh i can't save everyone you know and we have moments like she still wants to save jeff Mm -hmm. quite a bit of the time and i still think there's a lesson to learn there for her in the future. Yeah, that's a really good point, though, in terms of, like, (laughs) conspiracy theories is a good example of her trying to, like, teach Jeff a lesson. Like, that's that's her role in the group. It's like, I can make everybody better. She has these high expectations. It's a great line from Troy. It's like, you expect the best from people, but no, you expect the best from you all the time. Mm. Like... And uh, and that uh, yeah, she's constantly trying to improve everybody in the group and somehow be the savior and better people. Uh, yeah. And Jeff and Pierce are good examples of that. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm sure she's you know under the belief of like, well, you can love anyone out of anything, but it's not the case. And she's like, oh, he like he just needs friends. Like mm. I can't remember what that exact quote is that you mentioned earlier, but like you know, he's a jerk because we exclude him. Because um, he's a jerk. Yeah, exactly. It was like, well, no, it's more complicated than that. He, we're not, we're not assholes. I mean, sometimes they are, but there are consequences for his actions, and he doesn't learn from that. There's another so great line from Jeff that he sees free friendship as a competition. Mm. It's like it's his friendships are always about trying to be the winner somehow, like get the upper hand and be the superior person in any relationship mm. that he's in. Do we want to talk about that D and D episode? <laughs> Uh, not quite yet. Not quite okay. yet. I All did. Right. I just wanted to sort of talk about what you thought about Annie this season because a lot of it ends up being tied to Pierce. Like mm. the final couple of episodes do heavily sort of focus on Annie um, and specifically her relationship with Pierce. She's the one holdout in terms of uh, kicking him out of the group. She is the one who's going to have the duel with him until he pulls the, uh, oh, I'm having a heart attack move and shoots the Black Rider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just not sure. Did you think that Annie got... Did Were you happy with what they did with Annie this season, I guess? Was there enough for you there? I, I think there was. Mm. Um, I really like that moment of standing on her own two feet because, like you said, it, Pierce represents this paternal figure 
and Annie is perpetually seen as a child Mm -hmm. and for her to then turn her back on that paternal figure I think is a really important moment and has a lot of emotional stakes because they've built that relationship over the season. So when that happens in the end, you're like, yeah, like it, it was really satisfying to see Annie become more of an adult. I think one of the most revealing aspects of Annie we get this season is that she's struggling financially and she's trying mm. to be independent all the time. Like yeah. the seeing Pierce seeing her taking the cans out of the trash to go and resell them to try and pay off her rent for her horrible apartment above Dildopolis is <laughs> a hilarious, but yeah. but it tells us a lot about Annie that we didn't know necessarily. It's a secret side to her. It's something she was keeping from the group. And this is where the show is excelling at, like peeling back layers. And I don't think we're getting the best of Annie yet. I think there's a lot of Annie to come up. But boy, it's mm. building steadily towards a much more interesting character than just the young bookish one from season one. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, what we haven't talked about yet is Troy and Abed. We haven't talked about mm-hmm. either of them, really, except mm-hmm. for that one... Um, episode with Shelley that Abed had. And Troy and Abed, in a lot of ways, I'm trying to think, they don't really have a huge amount to do with the plot this season. They sort of just no. feature in episodes. They're obviously mm-hmm. always playing along with whatever the pastiche or the, the homages sort of are and having fun in that regard. They're almost always doing the end credits bits as well. Um, but the, in particular, there are two 
aspects that I liked that are sort of reverses of each other. Number one is Troy is sort of being proposed to maybe be the actual leader or possibly mm. the or maybe the the pure soul within the group. He's like he was the dummy, right? He was just sort mm-hmm. of the dumb high schooler, Cohen Community College Letterman guy who then turned into a bit of a goofball. But now there's this idea that maybe he is yeah, the leader of the group in some way. Mixology mm. certification when he becomes 21, he somehow takes responsibility for the whole group when they're going down the gurgler. Um, he, in the uh, rocket science episode, the one that's like the Apollo 13 homage, he ends mm. up being the captain of that ship. In mm-hmm. the last episode, he's trying to lead like the group of rebels as well. How would yeah. you feel about that? I like this idea of um, him being this moldable, malleable figure being, you know, a young man. No, he's not there yet, obviously, but kind of he sees potential in himself to be something different than what he, the the boy really that he has been. Um, But I love that episode when he, when he's turning 21 and so much is going on, but just the realization that adulthood isn't this like glorious moment of like realization everything makes sense. Adulthood is stupid because most adults are stupid. Like it's just like nothing changes. It's all about like what you the decisions you make for yourself. And I I really like that step and I like the little seeds of he's always gonna be the dumb dumb Troy because, you know, you're as smart as you can be. Yes, you can better yourself, but we all have limitations. Um but that, like, you know, he has desires to be a good man. He wants to do the right thing by everyone. And I think it's really beautiful to give that to Troy because he is, like, a pure heart. That's it. I really it's, like it. Uh, he's also the hero in the Halloween episode, I just remembered as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just this constant, like, positivity, this force, who is underestimated, I think, by the group at every level. He's not considered to be, like, he's not Jeff the leader. He's mm. not uh, He's not given the attention that Pierce has given. And yet he's somehow super reliable and like always there when needed. Mm-hmm. Try uh, it's quite lovely. Arbed, on the other hand, I don't see a heap of it this season. I'm trying to think of um of Arbed specific episodes, but there is a real uh, notoriousness to Arbed that we're learning about. I think along the way, uh, there's the ep- the Hillary Duff, ep- Duff episode where he turns mm-hmm. out he's really good at insulting people. Um, there's the the sorry the pen episode cooperative calligraphy where he's been charting the girls' menstrual cycles, <laughs> yeah. which is hilarious and also very disturbing in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, and how he's been like willfully manipulating the group along the way. Mm-hmm. There's this, and then there's the Arbed episode in terms of like the one with Shirley, where he's basically a Jesus figure, and like there is a I don't want to say villainy there, but there is something nefarious about Arbed at times. That yeah, there's an otherness rising. that feels unsettling mm. to people. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, I think it was yeah, season one when he was making those web videos. Yes. And predicting the future. Yes. So there's yes, always yes, been, like, yes. an element that he's almost, like, supernatural uh-huh. um, and something to fear. He's the only character that's ever looked down the barrel of the camera, which he does at one stage in this season. Yes, he does. <laughs> this is the film. Um <laughs> Abed. <laughs> yeah, so I like the fact that his otherness 
gives him cool insights into people. And while people don't want their greatest flaws or their menstrual cycle to be seen by someone else, it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. It's just how he sees the world. But I don't know. I, it, it gives him a power when he sometimes can seem so out of it that he feels powerless and just goes along with things. All right. I think we're just delaying the inevitable at this point. Okay. Let's talk about the ridiculous amount of excellent episodes in this show. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, mm-hmm. I've got a, a... Now it seems a small list. Do you think 98% of this is pretty outstanding? I'm going to give you... I think it's 11 episodes that I think are worth discussing pretty highly and seven or eight of those that I think are probably exceptional. Rod, I've got something to tell you. I've got yeah. something to confess. Go on. I am not a statistician. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying those were not accurate? It's like the vibe of 98, (laughs) and I don't know why you're questioning me on this. Fair enough, fair enough. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Let's start with episode 204, Basic Rocket Science. This is the Apollo 13 episode. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the third or fourth foray into like a homage. How do you feel about this episode? I really enjoy this episode. Okay. I know there's quite a few people out there that don't like it because I don't think um, it went as hard perhaps on the parody slash homage as they may want. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was really fun. I don't think perhaps it melds um, the homage with um, character development or plot as well as maybe some others do, sure. but I thought it was super fun. I love the gimmick of the KFC Winnebago. Uh-huh. All of those jokes worked for me. Um, when I think Troy was saying that they were like four light years from the buttermilk nebula or something. <laughs> He's like, or it could be, yep, that's a sticker. Like things <laughs> like that. It, would, it just was joyful and I enjoyed it. What were your thoughts on it? I really enjoyed it as well. I agree that it's probably it's not the best homage sort of episode, high mm. concept genre episode that they do, but there's a lot to love about it. What I, what I love is when it really works. Like the idea of, because I do love Apollo 13 as a movie. I think it's an excellent mm. movie. And like the idea of Arbed Link being left behind and having to like lead them back. That makes me really sad every time it happens. When he gets left behind. Yeah. And he comes out in his little suit. I was like, this yeah. fucking sucks. I'm so sorry. But mm. then when he looks up, when he can't see the, the ship, yeah. and he's just like... <laughs> Just to, before it cuts to commercial is fantastic. It's great. Uh, but no, the idea that he gets left behind and then has to like guide them because he knows this thing inside out. He always wanted to be on mm. it. He never got to be. And he gets, and that's just so great. But then to me, I think the bit that sells it as being an excellent episode to me is when they really nail the the style at the very end when it arrives and it goes into slow-mo and they're all getting off and Ludwig Granson's um, score that's very sort of in the style mm. of Apollo 13 plays underneath it. You know, very like somber American pride sort mm-hmm. of like music and it's just it actually like works to the point where I'm like I'm getting the swept up in this that Donald Glover grabs a random woman and hugs her <laughs> yeah, it gets yeah. me every time <laughs> it's so dramatic it's so good there's just a little moment where Arbed like just does like just a little fist shake to himself yes. as well it's great he does like three exact pumps like, yeah. and it's great Mm-hmm. And then there's a shot of the Dean who's like something. He says something like, this is like, I did this or something like this. Yeah. And it's I like, chose this team or something. I chose yeah. the team. But it's like framed in a way you would never shoot anything on in community ever. It's mm-hmm. it's wide. He's off center a bit. And it's a really, really shallow depth of field. So it's like really blurry in the background. And it just mm. gives it this cinematic scope all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling 
like the pride in this for some reason, this stupid <laughs> Like they achieved moment. something, yeah. <laughs> and then just topped off by raising the, uh, or, or planting the um, anus flag. It's just like, oh, how can amazing. you not love that episode? And like when that episode started, I was like, oh, this is the intro of the, the butt flag. Brilliant. Exactly. Mm. Episode two, episode 206, Epidemiology, the second Halloween episode, this mm. time with zombies. Yes. Another great example of them just killing a genre homage. Yeah. Uh, a, hilarious, the use of ABBA as the soundtrack. Uh, and voice memos. ABBA and voice memos. Yeah. Genius. <laughs> like, every time <laughs> I hear the Dean's voice and he's just like, you know, remember to get whole milk, not for drinking. <laughs> like, it's just so <laughs> funny. Um, it's, it's one of my favourite holiday episodes of the show wow. um not not my favorite holiday episode of this season even but it is up there and i i just think it's really fun it's just a really good zombie movie yeah i'm investing the characters the stakes get slowly higher um you know when the hamster comes through the window and chang just screams it's a hamster always makes me laugh um chang trying to Make Prove people everyone sound racist. racist. <laughs> the Miss Piggy Prove of it racist all. By the racist, racist prover. prover. Yeah, the Miss Piggy of it all is very yeah. funny. Um, and once again, Britta is Adorable. in a so such a cute costume. Yeah, so cute. Uh, and the the finale when because you see it coming when um, I was about to say say Donald, when Troy is like, oh, I'm going to go back in there. I'm going to be a nerd. And you, he comes in in that suit. And you're like, of course it's happening. And that's awesome. And then reality hits and it's made of cardboard, <laughs> which made me laugh at myself the first time I watched it. Be like, of course that wouldn't work. <laughs> Why did I think that would be the thing? Uh, but I'm glad I was on the same page as Troy with that. I yeah. just think it's a, it's a fucking great zombie film. It's really funny. Um yeah, no, I loved it. It's like, it's almost, it's not quite because I love Shaun the Dead, but it's like in the like ballpark of Shaun the Dead in terms of like yeah. making fun of the genre. There's a bit as well, which is very Shaun the Dead actually, where Annie gets like the glass breaks <gasps> on yes. the thing and she gets pulled through the blinds. Just like Dawn does. I mean, I know her name's not Dawn in the thing, but yeah. No, it's not Dawn that gets that done too. Isn't it's it? um, Dylan Moran's character that happens too because he gets like uh, ripped apart. Yeah. Ugh. Right. Uh, mm. But yeah, like, and she gets pulled through, and that was always scary to me—the idea that like mm-hmm. they just come through, like grab her and pull her through. That uh, yeah, it's another great episode. Uh, cons- oh no, sorry, before that, two oh eight cooperative calligraphy. This is the <gasps> bottle oh. episode, written by Megan Gans. Uh, what a champion! It is so well written. Mm-hmm. You want to know how to write? Amazing sitcom, 21 minutes of just people talking in a fucking room. Watch this episode. It is exceptional. Oh, fuck. It's... And how is it so funny? I I just don't understand how clever you must be to take that. And, like, you go along with the journey, with the escalation. Everyone's losing their mind to the point that you reach that moment where... Jeff is literally pulling apart the room and you feel that frustration. Yeah. But it's also really funny because you're seeing everyone's face and it's Jeff and he's lost his cool, which is not okay. And then Annie says the wonderful line of like, it's just a pen. It's just a pen. Oh, 
I also love. Um, I'm just talking about like moments I love. No, no, why not? It's great. Um, when after they've all stripped and stuff, and you think Annie's being really lovely, and she's like, "Oh, Shirley, like this pregnancy might have like must have been really weighing on you for like these last couple of weeks." And then she, oh, Alton Brie does this amazing face, like this is such a condescending face, and she's like. So is that why you took my pen? And it's just like <laughs> so good. It makes me laugh a lot. Mm. I think it just it's the strength of the characters and the strength of the writers to understand what makes the characters work mm-hmm. and what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. It's there's at least three episodes this season that you could write a whole thesis on what it's trying to say about the characters in terms of Annie's obsession with like this pen and being taken advantage of by the group by being the mm-hmm. one who's prepared. About Britta and her like um, uh, like in terms of her, how she feels about like her private life being pried into, and then Shirley, who's having the same thing happen to her, and then like Troy just seems to be unaffected by the entire thing, and somehow once again he's the hero. He's right, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's the one who's like, what if it was a ghost? And it wasn't yeah. a ghost; it was a monkey. But what <laughs> if it was a ghost? And somehow that's the better option. And like. Mm-hmm. On and on it goes. It's just so insightful. The escalation is perfect to go from mm. someone missing a pen to somehow we're all stripped down in our underwear and just the room is torn apart. And then all of that is bookended by the puppy parade. Oh, my God. Which is an incredible ending bit as well. Yeah. I love um, the Dean talking about like how the cat and puppy one is like <laughs> too political. This seems a little preachy. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know, that it's just a wonderful thing to say. Yes, they're just spending time in the study room, which I just really appreciate. It's always the best stuff. Everyone is like coming from like such selfish, you know, self motivated perspectives. You know, Shirley is self righteous and like is above being, mm-hmm. you know, wrong or above being admonished in any kind of way. That's self righteousness that she just walks around with all the time. Got Pierce, who, while involved, isn't totally there because obviously he's not totally there because of the pill addiction. And I think it's lovely that Troy isn't a selfish person. Yeah. And and so he is able to gift them with being like, well, maybe it doesn't matter and maybe it can just be this, which is lovely. And Arbed's just talking about TV and loving it. Well, he's not loving it. Well, no, no, he's, no, hating, no, he's it, hating it. He's hating yeah. it. It's actually one of the one times he's like, actually, he hates this is, episodes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. World one nuance and emotion. <laughs> Prism of emotion that I can never yeah. reciprocate nor understand. Sarcasm over. Uh, <laughs> conspiracy theories and interior design, episode 209. Which I won't, I won't go into it too much. I just think it's a really fun episode. It's not really a homage so much as it's just like really poking fun at like conspiracy theories and like um, uh, reveals or um, Mm -hmm. uh, when backstabbing and stuff like that. Mm. And just the way it all sort of escalates and plays out (laughs) the end. It's It's also very arrested development. Very, very arrested development. And the... And just the way that line at the end, I think that Jeff says, like, if you keep making alliances with anybody, you're not really making alliances with anybody. You're just doing, you're just doing a bunch random, of random crap. stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is how I feel when I watch films like that. Like, so often, I think with, like, newer kind of spy films, mm-hmm. espionage films or whatever, after, like, the 
third twist and I'm being very generous with myself. I have no idea what's happening and I can't remember a goddamn thing. So when they say at the end, you know, if you just keep like, you know, crossing everyone, then you're just doing a bunch of random stuff. I'm like, yes, that's what I feel like those movies are about. Just people doing a bunch of random stuff that I can't track. And I I meant to think it's really smart because it's confusing. That's untrackable and no one could ever have prepared to actually make this all work (laughs) this way. And that's why it's ridiculous. It's like they really just assumed that this was going to happen if they did it this way. Like they double-crossed everybody. No, it doesn't work Mm. like that. Uh, Mixology certification, episode 210. This is Troy's birthday. Turns out he's actually Mm. 21. Because fifth grade is really hard for everybody. Uh, <laughs> and this is, we were talking about this during Mrs. Fletcher. This is the notorious everybody goes to a bar episode. Mm, However, yes, that's right. rather than it being everybody gets drunk and has a great time and they reveal what they really feel about each other in like a mm. lovey-dovey way, things kind of get dark. People have a really bad time at this bar. Uh, we see sort of like a really depressing side of Shirley. We see mm-hmm. Arbed having a bad time. Paul you know. F. Tompkins. Paul F. Mm. Tompkins is in this episode. Nice little cameo. Yep. Uh, Britta and, and Jeff are about as unbearable as they're ever going to be. They are terrible and I hate them both. Uh, but d- I love watching them be terrible. Uh, true. And that reveal when L Street and the Red Door are the same fucking place. Of course they and are. And Troy's just like, mm-hmm. they were the same bar. Yeah. And, um, you know, he'll she'll had a drinking problem mm-hmm. um which was a nice little added flavor to her i think yep um they don't do a whole lot with it beyond this one episode no they didn't That's do a whole lot remember they didn't do a whole lot with it however it's not something that hasn't been brought up before to some degree in the pilot in fact she mm. talks about ramming someone's head into a jukebox and jeff says yes. that's way too too specific to be specific. improvised yeah, that's so it's true. like this is yeah. leading back to something that was always kind of there but never really mm. explored properly up to this point yeah um um so yeah it's the first kind of hint that there is Definitely a darker side to Shirley mm-hmm. and maybe something that uh, we haven't seen just yet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Pierce is once again excluded from the group, mostly because he doesn't want to accept their help. And so yes. he's just sort of an outsider. He excludes himself because he's a fucking idiot. Literally yeah. kept on the outside. And uh, Annie pretends to be someone else. Oh, Tignataro also in this episode, I just remembered. Oh, yeah, she is as too. That's right, as the bartender. Very, very yeah. good. Uh, yeah. She's pretending to be someone, not herself. Mm-hmm. And then it's like we talked about in season one, I think the show has an element of darkness about it. This isn't too dark, but certainly, you know, it's not laugh out loud funny. It's not trying to no. be goofy hijinks. It's talking about that these people have shit going on and there's, you know, they're dealing with insecurity and they're dealing with um, their mistakes and their all that sort of stuff that's going on. And I fucking love it. It's so good as an episode. It makes me care about the group somehow more than before yeah it's nice to have these moments within the season where like mm. yes it's not the one that i'm gonna randomly if i'm just watching one episode community i'm never gonna put this one on um but it's really good to have those extra moments where we're not exploring how crazy the universe can be as well yeah. as character stuff we're really just like hanging out with these people and seeing a different side to them which is important for my investment yeah yeah, it's an incredible Troy episode, and and it's it's still funny as much as it is dark and a bit mm. more serious. And other times, I still laugh lots yeah. in that episode. Arbed's uncontrollable Christmas two eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think we've talked about this at length. I'm pretty sure we did this this episode now, Christmas thing. Maybe we did episode we one. We didn't. We did episode one. Okay, sure. Uh, totally Claymation uh, Christmas episode about Arbed having essentially a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah. After more darkness, let's be honest, mm-hmm. um, unable to deal with the fact that her his mother won't be there for Christmas as she normally is to watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with him. Because she's got a new family. Fucking hell. she's moved on. Oh, that's hard. And then the group sort of feeding into his delusion to try and help him to overcome whatever it is that's upset him. Mm. Uh, It's beautiful. It's an incredible just story on why Christmas is so important. Um, Watch it every Christmas. It's not Christmas without this episode. I I agree. It's absolutely something I watch every Christmas or Christmas Eve now. Yeah. and like beautifully done with the claymation mm-hmm. and yeah, I love it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think Close. like, you know, so often with movies and things that we watch from childhood, yeah, it is all about like the meaning of Christmas, blah, 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 what it, like, and yes, whatever that means, because really is a meaningless sentence. Um, but this is just kind of a nice thing to watch as an adult because I, you know, grew up being a Christian and Christmas had a very different connotation. Grew up, it no longer had that. So what does it mean? And yet yeah, it's about, you know, your chosen family and infusing that with just like a day of love and like being together and and it's it's fucking heartbreaking and it's really funny and it's beautiful and seeing Pierce as a teddy bear is so fucking cute. It's like a perfect episode. It yeah, I, I think it's it's incredible, this but- episode. The line is, the meaning of Christmas is that Christmas has meaning. That's the (laughs) idea that when you instill the date with meaning, it becomes Mm. special. And that's what makes it special. And it's like, I think there's a line, something along the lines that the darkest nights can somehow be the warmest and all this Mm -hmm. sort of thing. That's one of the reasons I think Christmas kind of doesn't, isn't the same where we live in Australia where we have it during summer and it's already a festival. It's already warm and lovely and it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's a great party. But yeah. boy, I could use some Christmas, you know, in June, July, August when it's cold and miserable and dark and we've got nothing. We don't even have public holidays. That's I, true. Yeah. I honestly think it's a massive downside of being living in the Southern Hemisphere. But anyway. We do need to have some sort of holiday. Tw- uh, episode 214, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh boy! I say this without any hyperbole. This is hyperbole. Hyperbole. Thank you. I say this without any. Hy- I, no, I, no, I say this. The- I say this without any hyperbole. A little bit of hyperbole. No, I say this. <laughs> I say this without any hyperbole. This is quite possibly my favorite episode of television ever created by anything mm, mm-hmm. ever. I watch it when I'm sad. I watch it when I'm happy. I watch it just cause. I think it's. So well made, so well written, so well paced. There's literally one joke I think doesn't land. And that's just Troy's line about this is why we should have played shoots and ladders. Mm. I think it's it's just a bit of a like meh line. And everything else, performance, score, the way it's shot, the the way it's written, the Resolution, the little twist in there about Jeff being the one who came up with mm. um, Fat Neil as a title. It everything about it is, and just it made. I wasn't playing Dungeons and Dragons at the time. I play it now. Mm. This is a big influence as to why I wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons because yeah, it seemed like a hell agreed. of a good time. 
Yeah, this episode, good God. Um, I mean, it obviously has the things we love about community, you know, obviously like playing with genre and it totally commits to its concept, like this fantasy epic. Um, but, and yes, it's shot beautifully. The score is amazing. That voiceover immediately gets you in the mood for like what you're about to watch and really yep. sets the, sets the scene. But what this episode does, could the stakes be any fucking higher totally. than this guy who is beautifully played? I'm sorry. I don't know the actor's name. Uh, Coots. I'll bring it up. Yeah. But it just... Char- Charlie Coons. Sorry. Like, not... It's very, like, underplayed, but purposefully, I think, and beautifully played. It, what has happened is heartbreaking. This kid's going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. This is what this episode's about. This kid's going to fucking kill himself unless the study group makes him feel better. And obviously we know that's not how the world works, mm. but this is their attempt to make him have a glimmer of hope about his own life. Huge fucking stakes. And you feel it. And the show does a really good job of making you feel that. In comes Pierce. Mm. And usually his shitty, selfish hijinks, while yes, annoying and bad, they're, you know, somewhat reasonable and forgivable because the stakes are never that high. It's usually like inconveniencing people or being, you know, maybe some hurt feelings. The stakes are so high. Pierce comes in with his usual fucking bullshit. And we all know what that is. Jeff knows what it is and the rest of the study group does Pierce probably thinks mental illness pfft, stupid what whatever get over it fatty that kind of stuff and so when he comes in and is so callous it fucking makes me want to scream every time I watch it like yeah. I feel so much anger mm-hmm. at him in this episode and I feel so much heartbreak for the character of Neil and I feel so much shame Mm-hmm. about Jeff mm-hmm. and what happened and why he would want to make it better. Like, and not only that, but some of the funniest jokes of the season in this episode. Amazing sequences of oh. jokes. The Alison Brie doing the the uh, Hector the Well-Endowed bedding just beautiful. the elf maiden <laughs> is so Fucking hilarious and yeah. proves that Alison Brie is an amazing talent when it comes to comedy. Only elevated mm-hmm. by what Donald Glover is doing when he yeah. is taking <laughs> notes. And she's like, and I stroke her hair lovingly for the appropriate time. And, and hug her for the appropriate time. How long is that? How long is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I ah. also just love the the breath of like <laughs> sweet release at the end by Arbed. Arbed. So good. I love Britta like talking to the, is it? A gnome? It's a gnome waiter, yeah. It's a gnome waiter. Like, that yeah. is so funny. Um, yeah, it's... And also... Oh, yeah. Chang as, I like... I am Rutalitops, the magician. <laughs> Magic user, baby. What? <laughs> which is great. And then he dies immediately, which every time it makes me sad because I wanted more of that character. But I, it's worth the joke for yeah. <laughs> that amount of effort. And then you're gone. Um but, like, do you get swept up in the adventure as well? Like, mm-hmm. immediately after he says he's like, Britop's like, a knife goes uh, past uh, Britop's tops his head and, like, yeah. Chang reacts to it and you hear the yeah. of the knife. And, like, you get 
like you feel the action too. That yeah. the the audio work gr- is so good. It's in gripping. There. It it's is gripping to watch the, these people sit the, at a table. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, you're right. Just sit around a table and enjoy what they're yeah. doing. Which is like what it feels like to play D and D, right? Absolutely. So it's like well done. And I didn't know that because I hadn't played D and D yet. Uh-huh. Like like you said, because we play D and D together. You know, huge like inspiration. Like, oh, this looks amazing. Let's get into it. Um. And it does like when you're really in it and everyone's like committed and something dramatic is happening, like you get that rush and it's Mm -hmm. like you just see what is being described and it's amazing. And then the ending, you're talking about how low you feel. Like you get so angry at Pierce. There's an incredible mm. villain in this because you said the stakes are so high. And like it feeds perfectly into what we know about Pierce. This is not him out of character. This is no. just him really taken to heightened. an nth degree. Yeah. Heightened. And, but I Emotionally think- heightened. I mean, I don't mean like, now he's got a mustache. I no, don't mean exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no. Chevy Chase is just doing a great performance as Pierce. And you believe mm-hmm. what he's doing. And it's, it's totally in Pierce's nature. It says a lot about him. It says a lot about Jeff this episode. Yeah. And then- when they succeed and Neil rolls that nine or Abed rolls the 19 for him, but they roll the 19, which was, mm. I love they chose not to make it a 20, by the way. The 20 is mm. the easy one, right? To get a crit and he wins. It's like mm. an 18 or higher and rolls a 19. And then you feel the surge of excitement when they succeed. Like mm-hmm. there's that wide show of the study group and they're all so excited about winning and you can't not help but feel it. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it shows how much you love the group. It shows how much they love each other. I think mm-hmm. one of the things I'm learning, and I already kind of knew this, but I'm re- being reminded of listening to the Darkest Timeline podcast, is how much these people love making this show. Mm. And you can feel that, and you feel it in Parks and Rec as well, and I'm, I think you would argue probably you feel in The Office, that mm-hmm. you feel how much they love making this thing in the what they get on put on screen. Like they yeah. like Same being with there, happy endings as well. Yeah. Right, totally. Mm. That chemistry can't be faked. Um and you feel you feel all of it. I just I utterly adore this episode. It's twenty one yeah. minutes. It goes by in a breeze, and every time I watch it, I have a, a smile on my face. I feel mm-hmm. the right emotions, and I've I love it. I love it. I really I can't it. like yeah no one hundred percent no kind of like oh I wish I just love it. I think it it's just like it brings a tear to my eye to think about how good it is like yeah yeah yeah. i spend so much time watching tv and i love so much of it you know the good the bad and the ugly but seeing something like this feels really special and i think that's because it is really really special and inspires me because it is just people sitting around a table doing this thing Mm. as well it's just all about the craft and all about the writing and the performances and it it's inspiring to go you you could do that if you're good enough it's the it's better fantasy than all of game of thrones it's 21 minutes and people sitting at a table. You don't need $5 billion budget to make a great fantasy. It's all Ooh, there. Neil. Uh, <laughs> intermediate documentary filmmaking, episode 216. This is the Pierce Bequeathing episode. Mm-hmm. They're doing like a piss take of the mock- mockumentary format and how mm-hmm. easy it is to make television that way. <laughs> Looking at you, uh, The Office and Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. And it's another amazing episode where you can analyze every character. There is a treasure trove of detail about who these people are and what makes Mm. them tick based on this. The the documentary format works. It's also, again, incredibly funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we're just going to keep saying that. 
But I think this is an amazing episode uh, for Pierce. Again, it's a great Britta episode. I think uh, Gillian Jacobs gives one of her best performances of the it's entire season. It's a great episode. Jeff episode. It's a great Jeff episode. I think after like, because obviously still hadn't forgiven Pierce at that stage at all. Not even come close to it. Fucking no. hated him. And then he does this. Yeah. And you're like... You can see Jeff trying to keep his cool as he always does. Don't need to cut this with shots of me freaking out. <laughs> Are there <gasps> shots of you freaking out? <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it's very good. And then just like the beating he gives Pierce at the end is very satisfying because yep. absolutely deserved. He gave him fair warning that if anyone else was coming out of that car, he was going to kick his fucking ass and he did. But at the end, Jeff is not a bad guy and he doesn't want to be an angry person. And so you see him in the hospital room, which is lovely. Because he's not Pierce. He's not. Even though he has fears of being that, he's absolutely not. Episode 219, Critical Film Studies, otherwise known as My Dinner with Arbed, Dinner with Andre. Mm -hmm. No, My Dinner with Andre, Dinner with Arbed, sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I loved about this episode at the time, so I was really wrapped up in community at this point. I was hanging on to like... Every episode, there were lots yeah. of like blogs and new sites that were following it because they were in love with it as well. And this was pegged as being the uh, the Quentin Tarantino, or the Pulp Fiction episode, right? All mm. the advertising was like, oh, oh it's no. the Pulp Fiction episode and stuff like that. Mm. And so people went with a certain expectation. Are oh, they going to, you know, riff on Pulp Fiction? And then it turned out to not be that at all. <laughs> it turned out to be this completely other movie, which I've still not seen. I really need to get around to watching my with Andre. Yeah. That Jeff certainly hadn't seen because he didn't see this coming. Mm. Um, and and I said earlier, I think, that I didn't think there was a great, a particularly good Arbit episode in there. I was lying. This is obviously it. Yeah, true. What an incredible, insightful episode. There is a sequence in here where Arbit is doing his a monologue that goes for at least three, maybe four minutes of him talking about He's, you know, going to the set of Cougar Town. Mm. And they just let him so go. Good. They don't yeah. cut away to what's happening at the diner. They don't do anything. They just let him go. And Danny Pudi just owns it. And and I'm like enthralled by the tale that he's telling me. Totally. And I didn't About expect it to end on with the him set of Cougar Town. his pants. <laughs> which is <laughs> like, and it feels like a stage play. Which I'm assuming is what that film would feel like if it's just two people at a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those that could easily be like a play. It probably yeah, is. It probably is, yeah. And Danny Pudi is just hilarious. Mm-hmm. But like, he's totally serious. He's like, he's totally committed. Abed is going to be this guy and he's really good at it. That's what I, that's one thing I love about Abed is that he can pretend to be a quote-unquote normal person yeah. so easily. Like, we see it later um, with Han Solo. He's able to woo Annie, which is amazing. And Don Draper in season one, he does that yes, as well. Yes, that's true, mm. yeah. Um, I love that he can do it. It's kind of like that classic line in X-Men 2 um, when, what's his name, Nightcrawler says to Mystique, if you can be them all the time, why can't you be? And she says, well, I shouldn't have to. And I love that about Arbet. He doesn't, like, he can. He can pretend to do that, but he shouldn't have to because he's perfect just the way he is. Paradigms of Human Memory, episode 221. This is the fake clip show episode. 
It is, yes. Um, so, if, for those who don't know, often shows, when they reach a certain number of episodes, they may be running out of budget. They need to make a cheap episode. Mm-hmm. And they'll just stitch a bunch of clips from an old episode together, from old episodes together and turn into, like, the yeah. group reminiscing or something like that. The worst episode, when? Of, The worst episodes of Scrubs that ever was was a clip episode. Let me tell you. Everything about mm. it was terrible. Um, and somehow, <laughs> in an effort to kind of make a cheap clip show episode but not... <laughs> Apparently that was the reason they did it. End up being super expensive. Right. It's full of fake clips of adventures we've never seen on the show. Of episodes that, like the the thing I love about it is like a just out of context. These are really funny things. It's like, mm. um, like Troy bopping uh, popping the back of the boat, or going to the old Westy town, or uh, whatever it might be. But the I love they keep giving time references so you know when things took place. Yeah. Like one of the ones when the Dean's doing his like three, four, five, whatever it is, entrances, you know, wearing a costume. There's one where Jeff is playing with an, a remote control car, which is a direct oh, yeah. reference back to the week before the trampoline episode. Yeah. <laughs> which is something we never saw, but just like we're not really into RC anymore. See anymore and it's like, yeah. oh, that must have been when they were playing with remote control cars. Okay. How do they keep track? I can't keep track of my own fucking life. I don't know how they... They're incredible, these people who write this show. Uh, I, it's possourably the funniest episode this season, I think. Just joke after joke mm. after joke. Do you have a favourite... rapid fire. Rapid fire, one after yeah. the other. Do you have a favourite clip, fake clip? I don't think I do because I've only seen it the once. Oh, sure. <laughs> What's yours? I think my favourite one... Is it's a really simple one. It's just a uh, 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 totally still wide of mm. Jeff. Sorry, not Jeff. Annie and Britta sitting on a couch, and Britta just her lips are dry. She reaches across Annie, pulls out <gasps> yes. a lip balm, yeah. puts it on her mouth, and then puts the cap back on, and then sort of like tries to throw it back into the bag, but misses, and it's then so just rude. goes back to what she's doing. And it's just it's so rude. Oh, it's actually, so funny. No, I do have a memory it's um i cut this out if i've got it from another episode i don't think i have but like the fan video yes because yes yes, yes. Yes. people i'm sure i've mentioned in past podcasts i was obsessed with fan videos i would watch fem slash fan videos all the time it's all i would watch because there were really no queer stories that i was interested interested in on tv so I would watch like One Tree Hill ones, Skins ones, just a shit ton of like ridiculous fan videos. And they gave that to me in this episode. And it's exactly what it is. It's just like any clip of just two platonic people standing side by side and the slightest glance in slow-mo to ridiculous music. That's all fan videos are. And it just, it really, I could not stop laughing. I was like, fuck, that is, it's perfectly done. Do you want to know why it's so perfect? Why? Because it's based off a real, actual community Jeff and Annie video. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) You can find it online. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, there's a great comment. If you read the comments, the creator talks about how Dan Harmon reached out to her before the episode ended and said, you need to watch tonight because there's a little surprise in there for you. It's the same song, Gravity <gasps> by Herva. 
And it's like, it's like, even there's a bit, a shot in the fake one of Troy in black and white. Yeah. That's like, like that's in there. There's a version of that. Like it's. Because I was like, like, how did they know that like at that time, everyone was using gravity for their fan videos. Like I was like, it's perfect. Oh my God. That makes me so happy. Yeah. It's (gasps) incredible detail. It was like a legitimate honoring (laughs) of an actual fan slash video of (laughs) Troy. uh, Sorry, of uh, Jeff and Annie. It's quite, it's pretty amazing. it's amazing and, and you can still that. find it this day uh, and yeah I'll put it in the show notes it's incredible <laughs> so that's I really real. want to watch it now that makes yeah, me excited so okay. good uh, finally I'm just going to mention this you can put these as as a double up I guess two twenty three a fistful of paintballs mm. and two twenty four a few paintballs more the second and third paintball episode after Modern Warfare in season one I like these episodes a lot I don't think they are mm. as flawlessly great as episode one is I think I prefer as the first paintball episode is I think I prefer the western one over the vaguely Star Wars one though that mm-hmm. one has more emotional resonance because of the ending with Pierce but yep. I have a really good time watching those episodes and they're better than 99% of TV let alone especially sitcoms <laughs> um, I know what you think you know, A Fistful of Paintballs is my favourite. I love Annie's a badass, mm-hmm. always. That and always just to brings- focus on her. She's really the lead mm-hmm. in that episode, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, she is. Um, I don't know, because I, I don't like Westerns at all. Like, oh. no, it's something my grandpa watches, and I always thought they were really boring. Um, I don't get the appeal of Clint Eastwood at all. Um, but this is a Western that I loved and have watched a hundred million times. Vicky just dancing on the table. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> this is the only life I know. I can't. <laughs> Fuck. I'm so good. Just how quickly things devolve will but always tickle me. The, that's the other thing this season that does happen though is we watch the cartoonish nature of Greendale escalate mm-hmm. ever so gradually and yet mm-hmm. ever so quickly. It just like turns into this alternate reality where just anything goes. Whether yeah. it's like where uh, voting for our class president and like how outlandishly crazy that is all the way up to the paintball stuff at the end. Yes. Yeah, it's just it's insane. It's beautiful. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes, Damask? Um, just a couple of quotes here and there. Um, and I don't have all of my notes, so there's a hundred billion more, but... I've just got a couple. So Troy's line of you punched a lady bee in the zombie episode (laughs) gets me every time. Um, Pierce screaming, uh, tell me how to get this laid back or I'll kill your family. (laughs) 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 Very good. Um, And just have you ever been to a puppy parade halfway through? It is is pointless. pointless. And obviously, I was going to mention Annie's beautiful Hector, the well-endowed, sensual lovemaking. So good. Yeah. What about you? All right. I've got uh, a Oh, wait. Sorry. I've got another one. Yes, please. Sorry. Just the moment. um, Pretending to be chloroformed. Oh, that was like Uh, my list. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And then obviously realize that the plan is terrible. And then Annie, just like that, chloroforming the dude again. Very good. (laughs) Just the look she gives just like... Oh shit! What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a few bits of trivia we'll start with here. Mm. Uh, in the opening sequence of this season, we get to sort of pan across everybody in their bedrooms, and there's a bit of Donald Glover who's mm. stretching in his Spider-Man pajamas. 
This is because somewhere between season one and two, there was this campaign to get Donald Glover to be the new Peter Parker. Didn't mm. happen. But Donald Glover, as Peter Parker, in wearing the Spider-Man costume, inspired what is now Miles Morales, who is the lead in the best Spider-Man film ever made. Wait, 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 wait. Miles Morales already existed, didn't he? No, he did not. Not at anywhere? Uh-uh. Miles Morales did not exist before Don Glover was wearing the Spider-Man pyjamas. What? The campaign to get Don Glover to be Spider-Man and subsequently that moment of him mm. wearing the Spider-Man pyjamas inspired the creator of Miles Morales to make Miles Morales, essentially. Cool. And then so he was developed into the comic books, specifically into Ultimate Spider-Man, and then he has since been moved into the normal Marvel canon in the comic books, mm. and then they made Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And in Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, Miles Morales goes to visit his uncle, and on the TV is a recreation of that moment of Don Clover with wearing the Spider-Man pajamas and stretching on Community. So oh there my you go. God. It's, it's, I it, didn't know that. It That's all wraps awesome. up. That's very very cool. Uh, we hear for the first time the phrase six seasons in a movie," the mm. now very famous catchphrase and yet to be fully completed mm. uh, sort of promise of Community. The clip show episode ends with the dean doing an animation of like Jeff not caring about the dean and like mm -hmm. what happened there. The only reason that exists is because for some reason that episode ran short. It's like it gets to the end and it's like 19 minutes. There's two minutes to fill. Mm -hmm. So they made, they like post shooting the episode did the dean animation and added that at the end. It was never originally in the script. God, what a mess. <laughs> the second Beetlejuice mention uh, mm -hmm. happened earlier this season as well. Yeah. Watch out for the third next season. Uh, some of my favourite moments. We ha I can't believe we haven't mentioned this. Arbed's background adventure. In oh, one yes. In one of the episodes, he's just in the background. They It's never discussed in the plot. He's barely involved all episode. He helps a woman to deliver a baby, mm -hmm. which... Liam informs me took place about nine months after the STT, STD dance in, you know, where the condoms all had. I did read that somewhere, yeah. In Which episode is, one, which is amazing mm. continuity, if that's true. Mm -hmm. How many schools will let you get a degree in theoretical phys ed? I just love that one. <laughs> that's great. Um, exactly like a robot, Arbed. A robot cop. She's a bad robot. Sink her. <laughs> that two Brita lines I just uh, realized okay. as well. Um, yeah, something that, <laughs> what did you people do in that room? This is at the end of the, uh, cooperative calligra calligraphy episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> something you and your puppies could only dream of, you numb, miraculous son of a bitch. So good. So good. Uh, in 13 turns, he will die of exposure. Jeff? Oh, wait, 14 turns. <laughs> and then there's the bit where Britta steals the kick puncher DVD from Arbed. Mm. And, like, he somehow got the footage of her doing it. It's like, why are you recording yourself for? It's for an extremely thorough documentary of my life. It's mostly footage of me watching dailies, which is <laughs> the best. That's such a funny line. And then just a shot that I really loved. When Shirley's giving birth to the baby, to mm -hmm. her baby in anthropology class, and then Britta goes in to check how dilated she is. Mm -hmm. And just that, the look that <laughs> Gillian Jacob gives and the way that's shot and the sound editing in that moment, just the so abstract good. horror of whatever she's looking at. <laughs> Fucking amazing. And finally, I really need to watch My Dinner with Andre and Cougar Town. Yes, I finally need to watch Cougar Town. I've been putting it off for too long. Least favourite and favourite episodes. What's your least favourite episode, Damask? Fascinating um, to actually see what this is. Yeah. So, the, they all obviously have something good within them. Mm -hmm. um, so, there are a couple I was considering, but I finally went with Asian population studies. Yep. 
Um, it's when, yeah, obviously the gang chooses a new member. You know, is it going to be Rich or Chang? Um, so obviously I wasn't super keen on the Chang and Shirley having a baby together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a fine episode, but it's not one I really remember or rewatch. Sure. The other one I was thinking of was when Pierce was going to marry the other uh, hand towel heiress. Um, so that was in consideration, but that one was in consideration for me as well. Mm. Um, just because it's not a particularly memorable one, it's mm-hmm. Pierce heavy. It's maybe a little mean spirited. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna go with, and this is a funny one. I only can, I would not have put this top of my list before rewatching the season this time. Mm. But I'm gonna say that my least favorite episode, for a very specific reason, is episode 17, Intro to Political Science, which is the episode where mm-hmm. they have the student president election. I actually like a lot about this episode. I think it's a very mm. funny episode. It's a great Dean Pelton episode. Uh, it's a funny commentary on like politics and debates and primaries and stuff like that, right? Um, but I think its ending is confused. Something this show gets really good most of the time is like what it's trying to say about our characters, what it's commenting on, right? Mm. But I don't love what this episode says about Annie and Jeff. And maybe it's intentional, but it feels like it doesn't quite sell it if it's meant to make me feel this way. I, I didn't feel deliberate. She, I think she gets guilted into not wanting to, or to, to not run for student president because Jeff didn't want her to. Mm-hmm. And I can see that. She quit because of Jeff, who only made her feel guilty because he was jealous. So yeah it's cause, and he and she's worried that he would look down upon her for for doing that i just don't think that's very good for it's like it's a toxic thing that doesn't that's get really commented fair. on as being toxic i just like oh that's not it's like that's the wrong lesson for Annie to learn or if it's if she's meant to learn the wrong lesson i wish they said that more clearly it was played mm. straight yes. and so i think that's possibly my least favorite episode because it's the one that stands out as not being as like in line with the themes of the rest of the season if that makes yeah. sense. No, I think that's a really good answer. Um, the Ask Crack Bandit gets mentioned in that episode. Yes. Remember that, remember that name. Mm-hmm. Favorite episode. Obviously, it's Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we've spoken about it at length. Um, but it's for all the reasons that I said earlier. You, you don't want to go for another 20 minutes on just that one episode? <laughs> I mean, I think, sure, we can. Let's, let's, <laughs> but maybe we should just start a new podcast and just talk about that we can just break down episodes community i would happily do that do that podcast uh i'm going to give you my five favorite episodes in descending order or sending what i think because i love so many episodes sorry i'm still laughing go on i just want to give i just want to give you my insight i think my fifth favorite episode this season is paradigms of human memory that's the fake clip show Mm -hmm. it's probably the funniest episode this season my fourth favorite episode is Intermediate Documentary Filmmaking. That's the Pierce Bequeathing episode. Mm-hmm. Third favorite is Mixology Certification, Troy's 21st birthday. Uh, second favorite is Cooperative Calligraphy. And, that was my special mention. And it's yeah. damn good, that episode. Mm. Like, that is, in a world where the next one doesn't exist, yeah. that would be one of my favorite episodes of all time, mm-hmm. of any show. My favorite is Advanced Dungeons and Dragons for all the reasons mentioned. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. I agree. Man, cooperative, cooperative calligraphy is damn good, though. It's damn, really damn, good. Damn, damn, damn good. Mm-hmm. Looking ahead to season three, mm. what are you anticipating we're going to talk about 
having not, I haven't started watching. I've watched the first. I've watched the opening song of season three. There's a little hint for you. There's an opening I think song. I watched the first couple of episodes, mm-hmm. um, but then I had to stop myself because I was just getting wait. Like I watched season two weeks ago now. Mm. Um, so I've just had to stop myself because I was getting carried away. Because you just do, you want to marathon it because it's so yeah. goddamn good. We had to uh, limit ourselves to four episodes a night. Mm. Like we were watching as a family here. I was like, we get to the fourth episode. I was like, that's it. So we're watching tonight. Not watching any more till tomorrow. <laughs> oh, dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what am I anticipating? I don't know. Just a fucking good time. What are you anticipating? I'm anticipating talking about how the show goes further in the cartoonish direction. That's true. And yeah. talking about the pros and cons of that. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it's always for the best of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am I think a big part of the discussion next time is going to be talking about live, watching this in, lo- in real time as the show was like teetering on the edge of cancellation. And like Ooh, yeah. that, uh, the emotional journey that, that I went on over that year. Because it was uh, hard... Arduous yeah. roller coaster of emotions at, the, at that time. Even reading like a couple of reviews today, and I was like in the review and then in the comments section, just people like speculating and looking at numbers and like being very into exactly what was happening, what may happen, what probably was going to happen eventually. Um, they were really invested and genuinely worried at Ooh, every moment that this show 100%. was going to go yeah. away. And they, it was, they loved it so much. Um, yeah, you can hear the trauma in their like their little words on that little comment section. It was very sad. Can I ask where you're getting your reviews from that you're reading? Is it somewhere specific or is it? Um, I read a couple on IGN, mm-hmm. um, but the ones I was really enjoying um, were on AV Club. Excellent. Em- Emily Vandalus ones? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's the one to watch. Uh, and ones to read, I think. I think she does an yep. amazing job. Um, I'm looking I forward to her reading her season three ones. Um, I think, like, I enjoyed her season two. Perhaps wasn't as... Because I've watched the show a million times and she's literally just watched it and reviewing it as it's coming out. Hmm. Um, and I've read a bunch of kind of articles and stuff about the show. You know, you really want that kind of in-depth stuff. It's really good but sometimes doesn't quite focus on the things that I want her to focus on. Um, being a real asshole, like, as if it matters. It doesn't. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to, like, seeing her, because she fucking loves the show already, seeing her yeah. love grow as the reviews go on. It's, it's, I'm going on quite the journey with her at the moment. How, are you all up to date, like, the end of season two, reading her reviews, or...? No, no, I'm not. Ah, no. I think okay. I go about halfway through today and then I had to deal with the puppy. So, <clears throat> gotcha. <laughs> Couldn't I finish it. would also suggest tracking down, I think she did a, an interview with Dan Harmon. I'll see if I can find mm. this and put in the show notes as well, where mm. basically he comments on every single episode that season in season two. It's very insightful, like really Ooh. interesting. Just like talking about, they're just like a paragraph or two, I think most of them, but mm. they were a really great read. I remember reading that back at the time. Anyway, cool. I think that's enough. That's only two hours worth of talking about. A season of television. Thank you very much for listening to my gushing wet ramblings. <laughs> you 
wet ramblings. And to this episode of Hunting Seasons, you can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. And our video graphics and transitions from Liam Gordis of Good Gravy Media. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at MaskyMoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. I do want to give a special thanks to Liam. I didn't actually thank him on the video for uh, Community Season 1, which has gone Mm. up on YouTube, and also the spoiler-free review portion is up on Instagram TV as well. But thank you, Liam. Uh, The graphics you see in those he made just turned my vague ideas into reality. So thanks for that, (laughs) Liam. I appreciate that. Thanks, Liam. Next episode, we'll be back... With our review of Westworld Season 3, would you believe we're coming back to do that? I can't with- believe I'm coming back. <laughs> with Paul Mitzi of the Swapcast Swap- Podcast once again joining us. Looking forward to chatting with him. Mm-hmm. Can you also believe that Westworld has been renewed for a Season 4? No. It's like I was <laughs> sure Season 3 was it. I think everyone was just like, oh yeah, this is going to be the last one because how could they do more? I haven't okay. started watching it, but I feel tired already. So. I've only watched Episode 1 so far. And I really liked it. <sighs> yeah, I but really is it sustainable, Brod? Is it sustainable? Don't know. Let's see how timey-wimey this gets. I can't <laughs> wait to see how angry I get, how much ranting I'll be doing. Good. Can't wait to endure <laughs> that. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Absolutely. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been I forgot to warned. say it. <laughs> you can just say it now if you like. We'll do I'm it again together. I'm staring at myself in Zoom. <laughs>